This morning, as everybody's making their way back to their seat, uh, you have probably said these words, or you've heard someone say these words, if you're not honest enough to say that you've said them, but I'm pretty convinced that you probably are guilty, as I am. Um, I can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't know how to do that. And I'm guilty, and you're guilty of saying these statements more often than not. It's like we're so afraid of failing. When we say those statements, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not willing to do that. We're so afraid of failing, and too often God is inviting us, church, to be a part of his story and to be a part of his work. But too often we miss out on it because we would rather sit on the sidelines and view it from the sidelines than be in the game and participate. Think about this. However, though, I want you to know this morning, and more importantly, God wants you to know this this morning, that he can and will use anyone who is available. How often we forget that God has called us out of a former life. I want you to bow your heads for a minute. I want you to close your eyes. This is not a Billy Graham moment. I'm not about to, uh, I am going to present the gospel today, but I'm not about to ask you to raise your hand and come down forward. I, I just want you, as you close your eyes this morning, to think about where you were before you met, met Jesus. Like, I want you to think about your life before Jesus. Because with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, church, every single one of us can identify, we can identify with our life before Jesus. So I just want you to think about that, where you are right now. Think about the kind of person you were, the kind of life that you lived. And as you think about that imagery, as you think about that picture, as you think about who you used to be, I want you to listen to these verses as I read them over you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Keep your eyes closed and hear these verses. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now look at me, church. What I want you to hear this morning is is that there is a work to be done there is a rest and worship to experience. That's what we're going to see this morning as we dive into Exodus chapter 31. There is a work to be done, and there is a rest and worship to experience. But here's what I want you to see. For by grace you have been saved. I want you to let that sink in for a second. As you think about the answer so often when somebody asks us to do something or we see in the current, which there's a new one out, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, or we get emails from the church or, or we get calls or group texts from our kids' athletic teams or the local booster clubs, and, and, and we're asking to participate in those, it's like we automatically run to the excuse, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I don't know what to do. Church, can I tell you something? And we're going to see this in Exodus chapter 31. The same way the Lord spoke to Moses, the Lord speaks to us. Amen? 
the same way he chose some guys to be a part of the ministry of the tabernacle and a part of worship and in creating all those uh, pieces of furniture and all the utensils and all the things that we've looked at in these last days and last weeks as we've talked about the tabernacle. And can I tell you something? God has called you out of a former life. He's given you a new identity. And the reason he's given you a new identity is because there is a work to be done. But too many of us, including myself, will go, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I don't know how to do that. And what I want you to hear this morning, for by grace you've been saved through faith. So guess what? You are not responsible or you are not, you are not the one that saves you. It is by grace, meaning getting what you don't deserve, through faith, by putting your faith in Christ that you're saved. And why is that so important? Because here's the reality. God doesn't need you, but he sure does choose to use you. So by grace, through faith, you've been saved. Or excuse me, for by, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. I love talking about this text around Christmas. I always want to play this joke at my house. Uh, we love Christmas at our house. You're like, man, it's August and you're talking about Christmas. Hey, look, the summer went by like that. You'll be blinking just like Walmart's already got Halloween decorations out, okay? Kroger's has got fall things out already. I, I'm with you. I want to go to the lake one more time. Really, I want to go about 100 more times, but I'm just saying. But it'll be here before we know it. But I love Christmas because we'll have gifts all under the tree and they'll be wrapped. And Beth doesn't, won't do this as often. I don't like putting names on it. Like, I want them to guess which one's which. Because you know how people are. I want the big one. And then I wrap little stuff in big boxes just to be mean. Okay? But imagine if we woke up on Christmas morning and we said, there's all your gifts, but all you can do is look at them. You can't unwrap them. Church, I'm afraid that too many of us in this room forget that God has given us a gift in salvation and we are content with being wrapped up boxes, looking pretty, ready to be used or to be opened up, but we're never opened up because we don't understand that God has given us as a gift to the world. I don't know what to do. Can I tell you something? Somebody will tell you. I don't know how to do it. Somebody will show you. We make all these excuses, but we forget that because of grace and faith and because of not of our own doing, but as a gift to God, we've been saved. Look at verse 9 in Ephesians chapter 2. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Like, you couldn't work your way into heaven. That's not the kind of work we're going to talk about this morning. But there is a work in the kingdom of God this morning. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So here's what I want you to hear from this text. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a work to be done. There's a rest and a worship to experience. The question is, will we understand that we were created in Christ for that work? Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that you hide me behind the cross. God, I pray this morning that no words come out of my mouth that dishonors you. And God, I pray today that you would speak through me. And God, that your word would go forth. And God, that you would be honored and glorified. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it. 
God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 31. You can bring it up on your devices. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be a black hardback one somewhere around you. Just look for it. And if not, you can look at it on the screens. But this morning, I really want you to do some underlining, some circling, and that kind of thing. And some of you freak out about that. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but underlining and circle and highlighting and making notes is good because you remember what God taught you through that text. So we're going to break Exodus 31 down into two parts. Okay, we're going to look at the first 11 verses first, and that is the work. And then we're going to look at verses 12 through 18, which, and that is um, the, um, the rest and the worship. Okay, the rest and the worship. So let's dive in. Look at verse 12. Look at what it says. And I, the Lord, said to Moses. I, the Lord, said to Moses. What I love about this text is, and I always tell people to underline this, and the Lord said to Moses. Like, I would literally understand the Lord said. Like, I would underline the Lord said. Okay? The Lord said to Moses. Okay, in verse 1. I would underline that. We're probably having some technical difficulty, so if you're dependent on the screen, it's probably not coming right now. There it is. And the Lord said to Moses. You are to speak to the people of Israel. I'm in chapter, verse 12, sorry. The Lord said, it says it in both of those, verse 1 and verse uh, uh, 12. The Lord said to Moses, verse 2, he says, See, I have called by name Beaziel, the son of Uriah, son of her, of the tribe of Judah. Here's what I want you to see. I would circle the word see there. I would underline the Lord said in verse 1. I would circle the word see there in chapter 2. And in it, I want you to notice what it says. I have called by name. In this particular chapter, Bezel is the, the name that he's called by name. But here's what I want you to hear, church. God's also called you by name. You believe that this morning? God has called you by name, and he's given you a work to do, and he's allowing you to be a part of his story. But too often we go, is there not someone else? I don't know how to do that. I'm not qualified to do that, okay? We have some people in our church that are running for local elections, and can I just tell you, man, thank you. I think you're crazy, but thank you. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm not going to specifically speak about it, but we've got people running for representatives, and this guy loves Jesus, and, you know, and if you live in his district, I would ask you to consider voting for him, okay? Now, if you live in District 2 supervisor spot, we got like three of those people that go to church, so good luck praying through that one, okay? But y'all go vote on Tuesday, all right? But seriously, people that run for local elections, I think they're crazy because I'm a pastor of, of a group of people of 200 members, and we have estimated that some seven to, between seven and 900 people come through our doors on a monthly basis, and I can't keep that many people happy. How could you keep an entire county happy? And then for those that are running for, like, districts that cover two or three counties, and then people that are running for, like, state positions, like, my life's already under a magnifying glass, okay? And I'm a pastor, so they're supposed to show grace to me. If you're a politician, grace just went out the door. But guess what? God has called people for those positions too. The same way he's called people to be teachers this week. And I know that students in this room are going, well, why did he call me to be a student? Because you happen to be that age right now. And there's not a person in this room that hasn't been called to be a student somewhere along the way. 
Maybe you've been called to be an IT person. Maybe you've been called to be a dental assistant. Maybe you've been called to be in law enforcement. Maybe you've been called to be in administration. Maybe you've been called, you've been called to so many things. But can I tell you something, church? God has called you to that place and that purpose and that situation. Why? Because he wants you to bring him glory and honor with your life. So I want you to see that the Lord spoke. And then I want you to see that it says, See, I have called you by name in verse 2. And look at what it says. I have called you by name, Bezel, the son of Uriah, the son of Ur, and the tribe of Judah. And then I want you to see what verse 3 says. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability, of an, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship, and to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones and settings and carvings of wood to work every craft. And, uh, and, and I love those first five verses. Why? Because he says, the Lord said, see, I've called you by name to do this, and I have filled you with the Spirit of God. Here's what I want you to see in this first part of Exodus 31. There's a work to be done, but don't freak out. If the Lord has spoken and the Lord has called you and the Lord then will equip you through what? Through his spirit. Look at what Acts 1.8 says. Look at what Acts 1.8 says. Acts 1.8 in the New Testament says this. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I want you to see this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So go back to the earlier part of our service when I had you bow your heads and I asked you to think about your life before Jesus. You know why I had you think about your life before Jesus? Because you're not who you used to be. This word is for somebody in this room this morning. There are people in this room this morning that are battling some, some demons, okay? They might literally be demons or they might be addictions or they might be struggles. And can I tell you something? If you are in Christ, that's not you anymore. God has made you a new person. And guess what? He's empowered you. Hear this. This is the best news. If you miss everything else today, listen to this. Not only has the Lord spoken, not only has the Lord called you by name, but he has given you the spirit of the living God to live in you and through you. And guess what? That means you never go alone. You're never by yourself. He says in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power. I just like that, don't you? But you will receive power. And that's where we all mess up. Remember the excuses at the beginning? I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. You know what's so beautiful about when the Lord speaks and the Lord calls you by name and he gives you a work to do? It's not your work, it's his work. And guess what? He empowers you to do that work. I love it how y'all give me so much credit. Man, I'm an idiot. You can laugh at that. It's true. I'm an idiot. Like, I am not the right person for the job. But guess what? I don't have to be the right person for the job as long as I got the right God for the job. And they ain't but one God, and his name is Jesus, and he has a, 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 another part of him called the Holy Spirit, and then there's God the Father. And guess what? That which God has called, God will prepare. And if we've learned anything through Exodus as we look at this idea as a way out, if God is going to provide the way out and God is going to make a promise, then what will God do? He will fulfill that promise. So he is saying to Moses in the first part of this text, he's saying, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called 
by name, Beazel, the son of Uriah, the son of Ur and the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work every craft. And here's what I think so often happens in our life. When we look at, like we've looked at the tabernacle over the last few weeks, and we've looked at all these different pieces of the tabernacle, and we've looked at all the different parts of the tent, we're like, man, who's building that? Praise God, God had somebody called to do it, amen? I don't know if for you, if you're like me, I'm reading through the Word as we're getting ready to study and prepare for it each week. I, I hope I'm reading through it, right? But, but I'm also hoping that you're reading through it as well. And as I was reading through that this week, I'm thinking, poor Bezel, man, that dude by himself got to do all this? If you haven't been with us in the weeks past, the tabernacle, the tent that was in the center of the people of Israel, the camp of Israel, it says cost somewhere between a million and five million dollars to build. And by the way, this was a tent. When the cloud by day would move, then they would pick up the tent and move. When the fire by night would move, they would pick up the tent and move. That's the reason they all, all, all these different instruments had poles on them so that they could move when God told them to move. And can I tell you something, church? If you, don't miss, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. When God tells you move, what do you do? Move. Move. There's my glasses. That won't work if they're not on me. Look at verse 6. And behold, I have appointed with him, O hard word, the son of Ishmael, and the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men the ability, not that they, that, uh, uh, excuse me, to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. I love this. He says, not only be Ezel and O hard word have I called you guys to do this, but guess what? I've given every able man, every able man, the ability that they may make all that I've commanded you. The tent of the meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table of the, its utensils and the pure lampstand and all its utensils and the altar of incense um, and the altar of the burnt offerings with all its utensils and the basins and its stand and finally work, and finally work garments. The holy garments of Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons and their service as priests and, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded you they shall do and here's what i want you to see this morning there is a work to be done but too many of us are walking around here trying to do this work without being filled with the spirit of god lyndon johnson president lyndon johnson shares a story this i got this from walkingtogetherministries.com shares a story about of a preacher who prepared a stirring but rather complicated sermon that required notes now there's a thought a sermon that required notes. By the way, I got tons of notes. But there was a time that I used to not have as many notes. And I want you to know that I didn't chase squirrels then. I chased like lions and tigers and elephants, okay? Like I would get off path and it'd take me 45 minutes to get back on. And somebody like, what's changed? No reason to throw darts this morning. But he shares his story about how this pastor needed notes. But unfortunately, on his way to church, he dropped the notes and they were eaten by a dog. Unbashed, he climbed into the pulpit and said, Brothers and sisters, I'm afraid a dog ate my sermon notes on the way to church. I'm just going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit, on what the Holy Spirit tells me, but I promise I will do better next week. Church, can I tell you something? If you're visiting today and you go to a church and your pastor says, Hey, I lost my notes on the way to church. This week I'm going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit, but next week I'll have to do better. Will you do me a favor? And it doesn't matter if you come to church here, but will you find a new church? 
I'm not picking. I'm being for real. If the Holy Spirit of God is not the power that is behind us and working through us, then what message is it in the first place? Because guess what? It is the Spirit of God living in us that gives us this unbelievable work to do. The mind boggles a person who truly understands who the Spirit of the living God is would never say such a thing. True service for God is Spirit-empowered services. Amen? Have you ever thought that you were important and that if you didn't show up, then what would happen? I'm not saying that you think that way all the time, but if you're a sinner like me, and guess what you all are, there is something that you are a part of that you think, if I don't show up, what are they going to do? I'm guilty. I'm totally guilty. I like to be needed. Matter of fact, it's one of my drugs that I, that I, that I run to all the time. Like, I love to be needed. Man, I'll get myself involved in stuff. I don't even need to be needed involved. That's like, why you got to stop and help them people? Well, they look like they need help. There's been 10,000 other people passing today. Why do you need to stop? And I'm like, I feel needed to do that. Like, if I see somebody walking down the road, they need a ride. Why can't I be the one to give them a ride? I think you ought to be wise in doing that because we live in a jacked up, messed up world full of sinners and crazy people, okay? But here's the deal. If you do give them a ride, you do have a captive audience and tell them about Jesus. Just saying. But so often we think we're important. If we don't show up, what are they going to do? I'll never forget, some of you heard this story, my good friend Jeff Holman, who's a youth and missions pastor at First Baptist here in Oxford, was serving as a missionary in Peru, and we got to go, and we had traveled over the Andes Mountains. We had gotten to this village in the, the, the jungle mount, the, the mountains of the, uh, in the jungles of the mountains in the Andes, and we were prepared, and we were ready to teach these people that never studied the Word before, and when it came time for us to study, nobody showed up. Man, I was frustrated, and you know me really well. You know I'm kind of wound a little tight, and so anyway, uh, no jokes, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty intense, and so when nobody showed up, I'm like, man, where are they? And Jeff Holman looked at me with his very introverted personality and very laid-back response, and he just had a smirk on his face, and he goes, you're not as important as you think you are. Best words anybody could have ever said to me. You know why? Because he's right. We think God needs us, and God doesn't need us, but he chooses us to be a gift to the world. Why? Because he gave us the gift of Jesus Christ. He gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit. He gave us the gift of his word, and he gave us a work to do. So let's get to work. Amen? The second part of this text I want you to see this morning, and I've got to read through this pretty quickly, verses 12 through 18. Not only is there a work in verses 1 through 11, but there is a rest and worship in verses 12 through 18. In Christianity today, that's too early, sorry. Exodus 31, verse 12, look at what it says. And the Lord said to Moses, okay, we see it in verse 1, we see it again in verse 12. Again, when I see the, word, the, the words, the Lord, and if you notice in your Bible, the Lord should be all caps. That was not a misprint. It, it's all caps for a reason because this is not a Lord speaking, this is the Lord speaking. And he says to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say above all, you shall keep my Sabbath for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord and sanctify you. So here's a real quick reminder about what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is not as much about it is about you as it is about him. I love it when people come to church and say, I didn't get anything out of church today. You know why you didn't get anything out of church today? Because it wasn't about you anyway. It should have been about him. Hey, Fish, you preached a little too long today. Well, if you're worried about how long I preached, then you don't understand we're doing it for him. We're not doing it for you. 
Look at what the word says. You are to speak to the people and say, above all else, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Why do we worship? So that the world will know that we have a relationship with God, and because we have a relationship with God, if it was good enough for God to work for six days and rest, it's good enough for us to work six days and rest. And that you may know that I, the Lord, have sanctified you. Okay? See that? Look at the next part. Verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. I am so thankful for God's grace. Amen? Because if not, half of us, I'm not even going to be that nice. About 95% of us wouldn't be here. The Scripture says, if you profane it, everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Look at what it says. Whoever does any work on it, the, 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 it, on it, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of a solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. And there are some of us in this room, and I don't mean to be picking, but I'm going to just be honest with you. You have missed that too often that we are now New Testament believers and we're not Old Testament believers because if we were Old Testament believers, most of us would not be present. Because how many of us have not honored the Sabbath? Guilty. I know what some of y'all think. Man, you're a preacher. You only work on Sunday, so you get Sabbath six days a week. Okay, reverse psychology, whatever you want to call it. The point I'm making is, is this. If God did everything in six days and he was able to rest, who, th- who makes us any better? He's not playing here, y'all. He wants people to understand that the Sabbath was important. And can I just ask a question, and I'm not digging, but I'm digging. Are you with me? You who come to church on a regular basis and spend time with God, can you not see the difference it makes in your life? If not, will you do me a favor? Will you find a new church? Like for real, if you're coming and you're not being encouraged and you're not being challenged by God's word and you're not enjoying worshiping God with other believers around you, then will you do me a favor? Will you find a church that you are comfortable doing that in? And some of you are going, are you telling me you don't want me here anymore? I'm saying if you've been coming here and you're not experiencing that, let us help you change that. But the reality is that we're not the one that makes that change. It's the spirit of God that makes that change. Like right now, people are freaking out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We ain't got a worship pastor. We ain't got a worship pastor. Can I tell you something? God's called somebody by name. And when God calls that person by name, he's going to let us know what their name is. And they're going to be here. And until then, we're good. We get spoiled sometimes. We had Charlie when we started. I convinced him to move from Hattiesburg, get him a part-time job. And he worked with us part-time. And he did it. Can you believe that? He did it. The only reason he did it was because his fiance went to Ole Miss and she was getting her master's and doctorate school. It had nothing to do with church. He's like, well, if the church fails, I still got my girl. The church succeeded, praise God. Then God brought us Corey. We hired Corey a month before Charlie left. They both got to serve here. And this morning we woke up, you'd have thought we were a bunch of deer in the headlights. What do we do? 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 I'm like, I know what we're not doing. I'm not singing. There might be some people leave today because they're not worshiping, but you let me sing, there won't be anybody here next week. We've got to know our lane. We've got to know what we're good at. But it's not just about singing either. It's about God's Word. It's about keeping the Sabbath holy because there's a work to be done. There is a rest and worship to experience. Look at verse 16. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. 
It is a sign, verse 17 says, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. In closing, guys, y'all can go ahead and make your way back up. In closing this morning, I want you to see this on verse 17. It says, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Can I tell you something? When I did work with students for almost 20 years, you know what students are always saying? I need a sign. Can you give me a sign? I'm like, man, I'm not a sign person. Like, I don't walk around with a sign and say, here's your sign. True story. Yesterday, Jackson, sorry, you get pulled into the sermon today because you were with me yesterday. Adam, Jackson, and Caleb and I all went out to Hurricane Landon. If you don't know where that is, it's just a boat ramp where country redneck folks go to swim because we don't have a swimming pool, okay? And Jackson was visiting with us yesterday, so we went out there, and we were swimming and kayaking and having a good time, and we were having a blast. And, and the water's up at the, at the lake. And so they're diving under with their goggles on and all that, and they're finding hooks and rattle, you know, different baits and all that kind of thing. And then they find the curve. And then they realize there's parking spots underwater. So they got their goggles going, man, there's a parking spot right here. And I couldn't wait till one of them said, hey, man, I found a Cadillac Escalade parked in this one. They left it. But no joke, I'm swimming and I feel this pole and I reach down in there. And guess what it was? It was a sign. And they thought that was so cool that we had found a sign that was emerged in water. And so they started going under and trying to read it with their goggles and that kind of thing. And we kept messing with the sign. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the Corps of Engineers is actually a federal agency. And so we actually removed a sign from under the water this yesterday. And then guess what they asked me? Can we take it home? No, we can't take the sign home. And this is what the sign said. Arkabutla, Sardis, and Grenada Lakes, you shall wear... Uh, Life jackets at all times while being in the water. Guess what we were doing? We didn't have a life jacket on. <laughs> the point I'm making is this, church. We can have all the signs in the world, but if we don't do what the signs say, they're useless. You know why God gave us the Sabbath? As a sign that there was a time for rest and there was a time for worship. Listen to this last verse. Verse 18, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with, with him on Mount Sinai two tablets of testimony, a tablets of stone written with, the, written with the finger of God. If you underline, I would probably underline written with the finger of God because can I tell you something, church? When God says something, we ought to listen, amen? Christianity Today published a, an anonymous poem that I thought made a pretty good point about service. I want to close this morning with it. There's a clever young fellow named somebody else. There's nothing this fellow can't do. He's busy from morning till late at night just substituting for you. When asked to do this or asked to do that, so often you're, you're set to reply, get somebody else, Mr. Chairman. He'll do much better than I. There's so much to be done in our church, so much, and the workers are few, and somebody else gets weary and worn just substituting for you. So next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, come up with the honest reply. If, someone, if somebody else can give time and support, it's obvious, obviously true, so can I. Will you bow with me? There is a work to be done. There is a worship and rest to be experienced. And my prayer this morning is, is that you would realize that God has given us His Word as instructions. They're not suggestions. 
their instructions and their commands because he expects us to do what he says. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our time of worship. God, I pray that you be honored and glorified in all that we said and all that we do. And God, now as we come to the table of communion, may we remember all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.